Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back with Fox News' podcast. I'm Ira Ingram. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yes. Hi, hi, Lewis. Lewis Carlton. Coulter. Yes, right. <laughs> Lewis Coulter and Ray Carlton. I don't know anybody on Fox News. Tucker Carlton. Surely. Oh, you don't even know his name, Tucker Carlson. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, Ray Saudi is back. Yay! <laughs> I believe this is Ray your fourth Carlson. appearance. Yeah, I think so. You're the Catherine Hepburn of this podcast. Oh, a am four, I? A four-time am winner. I? Who's my Spencer Tracy? Oh, God. I, unfortunately, it's us. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll see why that relationship didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> her husband's gay. Uh, yes. <laughs> and maybe so is she. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that demographic finding podcast. Uh, Pete Buttigieg would be on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Schooling them gently. It would probably just sound like zombies eating brains. Wouldn't it? Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just a munching. rotting your brain. Um, I have been loving the debates online all week about whether or not people should be going on Fox News. Well, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren was like, I ain't got time for that shit. Uh, she called them a propaganda <laughs> arm. Yeah. And um, she made it very clear <laughs> that if you go on it, you a punk. Yeah. Her? You a it, punk. That was a tweet storm, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that almost was. No, 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 not a storm. <laughs> it wasn't a storm. It was okay. a sequence. It was, it was, it was, it was a, a sequence. It was yeah. very, it was very, it was correct. Storms are for freak outs. If sure. it was a storm, it was a quiet storm. It was a quiet okay, storm. Okay, some Tony Braxton was playing as she was tweeting. <laughs> some deep radio voice. <laughs> There was a lovely fog in this one. Yeah, some uh, thunder in the background. Yeah, no, she, that was like basically the Elizabeth Warren version of a rap. It was very <laughs> exciting. What's interesting is I actually think that she has been popping off lately in a really good way. That mm-hmm. I felt like people kept saying, oh, she's not doing, you know, much in the media where people are talking about her constantly. We're just getting like those policies. But it turns out the policies were hot. And people have some things to say about her now. The policies are bangers. Let's just say that. No, I feel like in a way she's redefining the way people kind of attack presidential campaigns. You know, she she's more, way more personal than the average uh, presidential candidate. She's way more policy driven. She's way more just rad as hell. I, I've, I've talked enough about her in a way, but I'm obsessed with her. I'm into her, too. There was this clip that I saw last week of her at one of the Senate hearings, and she's talking to the head of... Uh, Gosh, I'm an asshole. Some federal commission, uh, federal organization that's supposed to regulate banks. Well, Far- Wells Fargo. She's asking the oh, guy yes. about Wells Fargo, and he's like, "I'm frankly, I'm insulted that you would suggest that I don't have any interest in regulating." And she goes, "Good." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, bitch." And so, like in this clip, I'm like, "Her skin looks great," and I know it's not the point. She's a woman running for president. We shouldn't be like talking about her appearance, but shorty skin looks incredible. She's staying hydrated. Oh yeah, she it's is. 
early. Drinking her <laughs> essential water, okay? And she probably bought a big thing, so she doesn't use plastic bottles a lot. You know, mm-hmm. she likes the environment and stuff. I'm into it. She's 69, and she is more sprightly and, like, energy. Do you, that clip of her running to catch a train in oh, Madison yeah. Square Garden? She did, like, like a front handspring down yeah, the railing. <laughs> I'm with it. Like, 69 looking and feeling 22. Like, I'm it into it. It makes that uh, clip of her drinking the beer on like Instagram stories seem like an anomaly now. <laughs> I know. Like, that was her trying to be like, would do y'all like me? Now she's just like, bitch, I'm gonna drink my tea. Right. It's like when your grandmother, <laughs> it's like when your grandmother hears new slang and she tries to use it, you're like, grandma, that's not cool. But then when grandma tells you stories about the whores in her old neighborhood using her <laughs> old people's slang, <laughs> where she's like, Miss Maybell was a hussy. We're like, yes, Elizabeth, this is where we want you. I love when my grandmother used to call someone abroad. Abroad. Oh, oh, she went very a, like a, a New York. <laughs> What's this broad up to? And, and it's specifically kind of disparaging because yeah. broad now is just like what I would use to yeah, describe like Ann Miller. It, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, when an older woman means broad, she means broad. She uses broad the way Joe Pesci does right, in Goodfellas. Right. <laughs> yeah, it would always be like. I don't know, some white woman, like, upsetting her. She'd be like, that dumb broad. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> Is your family country? They're from Tennessee. Oh. I didn't know that we was I was the broad first person born in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. I, can we agree on what the definitive use of the word hussy in pop culture is? What do you mean? That would be uh, Dionne Warwick on Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has said hussy more disparagingly. Who should call a hussy? Was it Nene? <sighs> no. I want to say it was like whoever the model was that they had on the show that season, mm. which Wait, is I, very hard for me to remember. Season, he had a lot of like blonde playmates. Yes. Oh my, first of all, like randomly, I just realized that one of the playmates on, uh, on uh, the Celebrity Apprentice is married to the black billionaire that gave all those Morehouse kids. Oh, really? <laughs> Actually, isn't that crazy? It's anyway. not like Veronica Webb, but somebody in that universe. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not. No, this model is white. Her name's Hope Dwarz. Oh, yes, I remember her. Yes. Hope Dwarziak yes, or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Larry. Mm. Oh, you mean Robert Smith, who didn't used to be in the public eye, by the way, no. and now he's like. I want to give you niggas money. Uh, <laughs> I want to be candy man. places. <laughs> Maybe it is because his wife was on The Apprentice, and now he's like, I want to fuck with Trump. Yes. Or maybe it's one of those things where it's just like, we've gotten to the point where on social media, especially like with liberal black folk, we're like, eat the rich. And he's a billionaire. He's black, but he's still a billionaire. So he's like, okay, let me pay off some student loan debt (laughs) before y'all come eating me. (laughs) There's plenty of... Let me be like Jay-Z and Beyonce. Y'all like them being billionaires. Exactly. You're good with that. Right, because I read... This crazy, uh, we are everywhere today, but I read this crazy town and country profile this morning. Oh, I saw you link to it. Wait, time out. You still read it, town and country. <laughs> I haven't seen that since like Reba McIntyre was on the cover in like 93 or something like uh, that. It was a profile of Joss Sackler, who is related to the Sackler family, who, you know, got all of America hooked on opioids. Mm. (laughs) Through philanthropy. uh, I know, right? (laughs) And basically, she just wants to be a fashion designer and a philanthropist and wants people to leave her alone and stop talking about her blood money. she murdered all of our families. Like, stop talking about her blood money. She's like, that's not me. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a there's a whole set like wing of the Sackler family that is like broken up with them. Like, there's a only there's the billionaire 
Sackler family, and they have, like, a cousin they don't talk to that's just millionaires. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's also Jillian, who is interviewed in the piece, and she was married to uh, Arthur, who died in the 80s, and she insists that none of that shit had anything to do with her. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Her hard uh, pivot from, in that profile, there's just a picture of her wearing her, like, rad sneakers. Yeah. That's what we're um, supposed to be Joss, it's just, like, in, like, sneakers and her fashion. She's very entrepreneur years old. Okay, so, like, very, like, 33, maybe? Uh Okay. As far as I can tell. Dating guys who are, like, in Silicon Valley. Well, I shouldn't assume her sexuality. Right, exactly. But, you know, maybe. You're the one who's out of line. (laughs) You know, Um, she's living off of opioid money, but I'm fine. Yeah, I actually don't know how old she is, but around there. Uh, the best part about it is that she keeps referring to the fact that she has a PhD in linguistics as she's talking about how the times that they keep writing these articles about her, they're going to regret fucking with a linguist. What? And they already do. <laughs> <laughs> Diphthongs okay. being snatched. So, she's like, so she knows, she figures out how they do the sound in Hosa and then, <laughs> now we're in trouble for mentioning opioids. <laughs> All right. We have a lot to get to this week. We are going to talk about television finales, specifically Game of Thrones. There'll be a spoiler alert because I need y'all to stay out of my mentions. <laughs> Talking about how I'm spoiling Game of Thrones for you. I don't know why you would listen to keep it the day after, a ga- three days after Game of Thrones mm-hmm. airs and think that I wouldn't be talking about it. But that's you. We will also be joined by Tanya Saracho, creator of the star show Vida, which is great. And she's also a fantastic playwright. So I can't wait to get into that with her. And then we're going to talk about The Bachelor. Mm. Yeah. You know. I um, love Kelly Ripa and her damn thoughts. White love and hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> That's Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> and we're going to debut a new segment. We'll be right back. On Sunday night, over 19 million people around the world tuned into the highly anticipated, was it highly anticipated? Uh, (laughs) Serious finale of Game of Thrones. Just so you all know, this means we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones. So if you've not seen it, stop listening. Is it even legal to have not seen it if you're a fan of the show by this point? Also, it's. It's over now, too. You know, it's not like if you had missed last week's or something yeah. and you were going to watch that before the finale. Right. Like, the show is over. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we're ready to put this to bed. Also, I mean, as a person who's never minded spoilers, like, I often spoil myself. Like, if a show and I'm binging and it's been on whatever, I'll go to Wikipedia because suspense is not a thing that sits well in my spirit. So <laughs> I will go, is my homegirl going to die? Oh, I don't have to worry about this? Great. Sabrina's not going to die at the end of this. Let me go watch the show. So get over spoilers. Chilling adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> That's how I feel about Drag Race she's sometimes, the, too. Just the, tell just me. Just tell me who yeah. wins the lip sync, then I'll go back and enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's in the title show. She's not going <laughs> to die. Although they did kill Archie on Riverdale. Yes, they sure did. I'm not past the episodes where he's obviously not he is, dead. He's not but, dead. But they, but but they, they killed did. that boy. They did. Anyway, the consensus among critics and many people online is that the finale was wild and not. <laughs> great and it's just making me think about historically how series finales sometimes are rarely fan favorites um and they're sort of like the outliers of a show's canon it's sort of like how do you really sum up 
several seasons of a show to appeal to a fan base. I I often feel that comedies have it easier because Mm -hmm. they have more angles that they can take that are kind of acceptable. Like it can be emotional. It can be really wacky. You know what I mean? Like anything, anything is acceptable. And then they can always do my favorite thing, which is reintroducing a character who left seasons ago, mm-hmm. usually with a doorbell, which is very <laughs> exciting. I'm talking about, um, this didn't exactly happen, but like Mary Tyler Moore show. Yes. We're bringing back Valerie Harper and Cloris Leachman. Like that's yeah. the joy I'm talking about. I mean, the new heart finale yeah, is always iconic. Yeah. But can we talk about Suzanne Pouchette for a second? Do you know, <laughs> do you know what, you know what movie she's in? Have you seen the birds? Yeah. Okay, so she's Tippi Hedren's school teacher friend. This woman teaches in a one-room schoolhouse. This woman looks like Elizabeth Taylor every shot. Like, raven hair, purple, hangy chemise, smoking as children are just walking. Anyway, it's one of the most fabulous things ever. Finales. I enjoy them usually. What's been one of your favorite TV finales ever, Ray? Um... I'm going to have to say Dexter because... You like that finale? No, I'm just very grateful they put that show out of his misery. <laughs> that was like a like, looking, sh- like through the looking glass finale. It was it was crazy. First of all, Dexter's in a cabin in flannel. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just very glad he wasn't fucking his sister. And like, truly, I... I'm, so I, um, I saw the finale, but I don't even think I watched the last uh, season. The last three seasons you shouldn't have watched. Because, well, because I got to the last one where like, she she found out he was a killer and mm-hmm. then she wanted to fuck him and then I was like <laughs> what are we truly watching also I have to suspect that the the uh the writers of of Dexter is her name Jennifer Carpenter or Megan mm-hmm. Carpenter Jennifer Carpenter yeah they must have hated her because she and oh boy Michael Seahall Right, yep. mm-hmm. had a real life romantic relationship they broke up it ended poorly she'd be like near tears in interviews like you know, prior to that last season. And they write her falling in love with him, like his character. <laughs> so she has to like try to hook up with her ex-boyfriend on the show who's totally her brother. That's cruel. They must have hated that woman. That reminds me of when Hayden Panettiere um, unfortunately had that miscarriage and then she had to go through a miscarriage on Nashville. Oh, yeah, that that don't, that don't, <laughs> I don't like it's that. Dark. Uh, my lasting memory of the show Nashville is that's the only other credit of Judith Hogue, who plays April O'Neil in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Anyway, wow, thank, thank that, you, Nashville. You know that. Yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whoa, I'm actually very impressed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Ray, We've seen both Ninja Turtles and Nashville. Watch me, Ray. <laughs> I'm actually, like, very fucking impressed, bro. Which Ninja Turtles? The 90s one? 90, yeah. Oh, my God! Yeah. Who are you? Exactly, exactly. We had uh, Angelina Burnett, daughter of Tebow Burnett, on the show course. recently. And the music was great in the first season when he was still doing it. Right. And then ABC, I mean, I guess decided that they were slick, and then the music wasn't as good. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad you're here, Ray, yes. because Lewis doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Okay. No. I I gather it. It's a blue-tinted show. I always say it looks like an Evanescence video. <laughs> <laughs> I always say the women have prom hair. And my my take has not evolved. <laughs> or, uh, or CSI New York. Yes, 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 yes. An mm. indigo tinge. Yes. Yeah. So what do we think of the finale. I don't think of the finale. I mean... <laughs> Whitney Houston. Uh, I, I don't. don't think of her. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of her. Um, no, truly. Uh, so everyone has like really hated it, really hated the last season. 
I have not really hated it. I've been disappointed in it, but mm-hmm. I don't hate it, you know? Um, and so... I wasn't mad the way I was yeah. mad at, like, Battlestar Galactica's ending. Did not watch Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I like the ending of Lost, by the way. That's one of my secrets. Oh, uh, whoa! Um, really? Yeah. Isn't that like a disorder? Like, Yeah, isn't... that's a weirdness. So, no, a... Actually, I have friends who like it, too. Yeah. yeah. So you have weird friends. You have more than just True. Ira. <laughs> it's it's really... my fault. I'm very surprised, because um, part of what was so frustrating about... Uh, the Lost finale is how none of my questions got answered. Mm-hmm. And uh, Game of Thrones, for me, answered most of my questions. Did they answer them well? No. So but I'm not thing, lingering. Maybe I just don't like answered questions. Maybe you don't. And I think that what was beautiful about Lost was when they weren't answering questions and then fans got too grimy online and so they started trying to answer questions <laughs> yes, and it, and was, it was like but but it's not working because you've introduced too many things the, to be able to answer that. sideways? Right. What was it? The, the flash sideways. I was like you've introduced too many things. Like once we got to Dharma in season three oh, yes. and then time traveling I was like okay. y'all are never going to be able to answer any of this shit so just let it go. And I'm still mad they killed Juliet. Yeah, uh, when she was hitting that bomb, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> but no, I I really like the finale, and I sort of agree with you about Game of Thrones. Um, I was angry at the previous episode. I was too. But the finale, I was just sort of like, I mean, I guess let yeah, these start kids do whatever. Already, you know, they dumped me already, right? Mm-hmm. And like the finale felt like the like final throes of like mediocre sex with a person who doesn't love you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm there. Yeah, yes. just like, it, it was just like, okay, we're here. I thought I was going to have a far more emotional relationship to this thing we're doing, but... We didn't even have no. a viewing party. No. I felt like... Oh, my God, I, no. I kept thinking, like, all season, we're going to be geeked to be like, we got to sit down, yes. we got to watch this shit together, as we I used to do with Friends in previous mm-hmm. seasons. But this finale rolled around. I was at the bar with yeah. friends, and we were all like, I mean, I guess we got to go watch this. I truly watched it on my laptop before I had to go do a free stand-up show. So, that's where I was. I guess I'm happy for them that seven out of eight seasons were good. If you've never been disappointed by the last eighth of something before, you've clearly not seen Scream 4. (laughs) I don't need friends. I need fans. I love Scream 4. I like it up until the end. It's my second favorite Well, I wish Sydney had died. Right, exactly. I think that's what she wished, too. And then the next one was her um, Emma Roberts thinking she got away with it, and then things start to unravel. Right. Uh, Which actually I think screaming? was Kevin Williamson's original. I was just gonna say, it sounds like you are Kevin Williamson. He would want that, but <laughs> and actually, no, Lewis. Uh, season seven was not good either. Oh, no, right. people yeah. liked it up to no. Season seven wasn't good. It was. It became very clear. Um, and I hate to be one of these, but it became very clear once there wasn't a you know book where the uh, interior of the characters were explicitly laid out for those two guys and I don't want to like insult their craftsmanship or whatever like they are clearly proficient and like successful writers but they very clearly didn't understand how women feel on the inside oh that problem <laughs> and um and it became very apparent and egregiously so in episodes four and five of this season and so I like lost um, interest in it. Um, I didn't know that I was regarding Game of Thrones as like a feminist show or a show with feminist stories. I just knew that I was very drawn to the women. The women were the best characters. Were I mean, best. most of the men in Game of Thrones sucked. Yes. I and, mean, and Rob Stark deserved, deserved to die. They were foolish. Um, they were Jon like Snow should have stayed dead. Yeah, should have stayed dead because he resurrected to do um, Could have kept his mouth shut. Yes, really. He would still have a head if yes. he kept his mouth closed. And like, Bran... 
a ruler of the kingdom after you that's, fell out a fucking window eight years, eight seasons ago. And also, just like, so this is terrible, but like two weeks ago, oh, during the big night, the big uh, fight, the battle yeah. of Winterfell, just Bran sitting there waiting for people to save him. I, I tweeted, Bran is a cunt, LOL. <laughs> and... After this finale, I was totally right. Yeah. He's such an asshole. When he was like, uh, why do you think I was here the whole time? Yes. It's like, so you knew all these people were dying, dying just so you could become king? And you didn't say nothing. You bitch. His and li- he's the one who told, he's the one who told Sam to tell John about his parentage, which yeah. caused John to then have to kill Danny. Mm-hmm. Also, Brand's Which caused her to ass. snap. Yes. And caused like... Like, Bran's rude ass just sitting there waiting for everybody to die so he could be the king who can't even procreate. <laughs> this makes me hate his Little League scamp haircut even more. <laughs> Looking like one of the bad news bears. Like he's in the big green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, Um, I just, you know, there are a lot of people who are debating whether or not uh, they handled the Daenerys' story well. You know, she suddenly turned mad. I don't think that there was, like, a sudden turn, I think. She's demonstrated, at least black viewers have known, that Daenerys has been kind of an asshole since she was, you know, white savioring through the East. Mm-hmm. Right, it's weird that everyone has always framed Daenerys as, listen, she's liberator, breaker of chains. I'm like, that's cool, but also, do you think the people that she liberated had a, a choice, choice to, to be her uh, soldiers? To, to be her soldiers it's or not? Slavery. She had dragons. Yeah, it's like slavery or slavery with swords in your hand. And that at least sounds fun. <laughs> the wildest, one of the wildest scenes, I feel like it was last season where, where someone asked Miss Sanda, they were like, they were like, but aren't you still sort of first lady? Yes, and she was, and like, she was like, rude. How dare you? <laughs> but it's uh, like, you and then, totally were. And then the bitch got killed. Got beheaded. So, so. Um, you should you should have gone to so, Dorne with your man. Oh, uh, hello? And y- the, the white people staring at them funny when they showed up to Winterfell? Like, it was all a mess. I, I So I wasn't so turned off by Danny. I was very disappointed with what they did with Brienne. Mm-hmm. Um, and how blogger Brienne yes, I, saw, I saw the yes. gift <laughs> and blogging about the fuck boy who ruined her life yes like they reduced her to this like crying woman who lost her virginity to this like fuck boy and he got the better of her and he's still bad and he hasn't changed or whatever I don't you know and then he went to die under a pile of rocks with, with his, with his sister, sister who just tried to have him killed yes. a week earlier it was also the funniest thing about the finale was when Tyrion found <laughs> Cersei and Jamie, his siblings who were the fucking. The hand Lewis. was sticking through the rocks. Uh, the, yeah, his gold, his gold <laughs> hand, his fake hand uh, was sticking through the rocks. And then he lifted up rocks and they Doesn't just were gold so- bend? Isn't it a soft metal? <laughs> <They> were- <laughs> if it was like rubble from a castle, wouldn't the fingers be twisted up or something? They were so peacefully lying yes, there no too. no broken bones, nothing. And also- what was hilarious was the fact that apparently if they had just been five feet yes, to the left, they would have lived. Because there, there like were whole empty, sections yeah. of the castle that were not caved not, in. It was crazy. Oh, that's too bad and very funny. You know, and so that was ridiculous. And like, Cersei was my favorite character on the show. Same. I thought that even if she was going to die and be sad and, you know, be reduced to nothingness, which she was, like she was crying because she didn't want to die. I understand that that's like a fitting end for such an evil 
being and all powerful sort of cruelty. But like it just felt like the the oh let's make the girls girly when they're mm-hmm. yeah. coming to the and it just it also, just seemed incongruous with everything that they had been writing about. Shorty, you knew that they didn't really get seriously in the first place. I mean, as much as I loved her, like. It was seasons we ago. Loved it, 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 yeah, we loved Lena and Hetty. We loved Lena and Hetty. It was seasons ago when the writers thought that they were writing a sex scene between and Jamie she and Cersei, but, but it was a rape scene. <laughs> and on the internet, people had to be like, this was a rape scene. And they're like, oh, oh. we didn't intend it that way. <laughs> so it's like, you, you really don't know how to write women. Right. And, you know, there were these moments where, like, Sansa sort of credits her rapers, rapers, rapists, for making her the woman she is. And I understand the sentiment, but the, the deliveries, like, belied, like, an inability to articulate ideas in a woman's mouth. Yeah. Because a woman wouldn't say, I am the result of my rapes. See me? She would be like, I've learned a lot from these things. I've become a woman and I've learned how to handle myself in adversity. Were there any other finales that you sort of really felt like worked for you, Lewis, or maybe didn't work? It's interesting because you're right. For the most part, I'm sort of like, like one of my favorite TV shows of all time is The Wonder Years. And the finale is they literally didn't. I don't think they really told the cast. There's there's some debate as to whether everybody even knew it was going to be the finale, but they just threw on narration over the final scene in which they explain <laughs> what happens to every character. And I've got to tell you, I find it incredibly moving, okay. even though everybody on screen doesn't know it's the end. Oh. It's very interesting. I mean, it's like Endgame, right? Yes. I was just uh, talking about Endgame the other day. How crazy. End, Endgame, uh, where they were all there for, spoiler, Tony Stark's funeral, but apparently they were told that they were going to go film a wedding. Right, because oh. they didn't want spoilers to leak. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, well, if you're talking about, like, finales, and we, we have to regard some of these movie franchises as, like, TV series at this point, Harry Potter had a good Game 7, you know? It's I was just thinking, good. like, Game of Thrones made me think about how, in a way, the uniformly uh, well-regarded Harry Potter, what, what would that be called? Septology? I don't know what the yeah. word is. Is that it? Is I like, think that sounds right. Yeah, is like... Underrated. It's just yeah. like like it's well, she really never yeah, she never epic. messed up. Yeah. It's no. really hard to do epic. Yeah. And it's really hard to do epic adapted from novels that are bigger than anybody else's imaginations. Like it's really hard to come in with a thing that's already beloved and like people, you know, have their attachments to it. They think they know how it's gonna end. They're all, especially with Game of Thrones, they're trying to beat the writers, they're trying to beat George R. R. Martin and figuring out what the end is and who's gonna win what they've turned it into a game that is not fair to storytellers but of course i mean loki uh, harry potter was great the only thing that's fucking up harry potter's legacy is that she keeps tweeting i know and trying to add addendums to the story she's like she's like dumbledore got fucked right over here (laughs) she's like the has two cocks it's like it's like remember when she wrote that adult book like with uh, the pseudonym casual vacancy but then like she went back to like doing the Harry Potter stuff. I was like, girl, I think you need to do something new because <laughs> you are making me dislike the series. Uh-huh. Um, you need to get an adult coloring yes. book or something. Yeah, get off this. Anyway, I thought Lost was good. I thought Mad Men um, Mad was, was good. good. And Second oh, yeah. had a good finale too. Mad Men was really good. That said... Which they ruined by the second movie. Now that I'm thinking about Mad Men, where the hell is Vincent Carthizer? Guys, Pete Campbell is one of the best characters on that show. I mean, oh. his hairline actually started to do that. <laughs> he was in... He <laughs> was also in one of my favorite television finales. Um, or maybe he was dead by that point. Uh, Angel. Oh. Angel, yeah. which uh, low-key is a better show than Buffy. 
even though Buffy's one of my favorite TV shows. You want the people in your mansion, yeah. it turns out. No, fans agree. Oh, okay. Fans agree. Angela's better, a better um, constructed show than Buffy. Buffy is a great show, and it's iconic because it came at right... Um, came at just the right time and you know it's messy like some t- some episodes are good some episodes are bad um but overall it's just like it makes you really feel something mm-hmm. you know i think that is what these shows like a game of thrones miss you know like you just have critics or um people online saying that every episode is amazing every week and stuff and it always has to top it but i think that i miss that era of shows like a Buffy or like um, like ser- non everything serialized shows, episodic shows mm-hmm. where you could deal with this episode sucked, mm-hmm. but the season at whole mm-hmm. is very good because yeah. they told a good story. But Angel just was sort of better constructed as a whole. And then David Boreanaz just took over CBS or whatever. Yeah, uh, he's, he's on ABC. Sorry, yes. Uh, uh, well, he went to Bones. Now he's on CBS with FBI. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, he'll he'll be on TV long after we're dead. He's going to be richer than everybody. He's got to be so wealthy. He's going to get Kuoko dollars. Like, yeah. Him right? and, that residual money must be lit. Allison Hannigan must be the richest because she did How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, uh, when we're back, we'll be joined by Tanya Saracho, creator of the show Vida. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. 
the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Well, we are here now with the creator and showrunner of Starz's hit show, Vita, Tanya Saracho. Hello. Thank you for having me. Ah, you are also a fantastic playwright. Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to say that, first of all, so many people were so excited that you were coming on this show that we know. Um, Ray and I's friend, Terrell McCraney, oh, uh, was like, deity. I love her. Yeah, yes. I love, I love it. I mean, we're from Chicago. Like, yeah. that's yeah. where we Well, I, I'm up, from yeah. Milwaukee and yeah. went to undergrad at Loyola Chicago. So I oh, yeah. um, know Chicago theater very well. I did um, Milwaukee theater as an actor. Okay. Uh, and also as a playwright. But I did Fat Pig at, um, yeah, that was the name of the play. Um, Neil Yeah, Neil Levine. <laughs> uh, and uh, just to, there, there's like a, a big theater um, scene in, in Milwaukee and mm -hmm. that pays well. So a lot of Chicago writers, I mean, actors and writers would go up there. Mm -hmm. um, so I love Milwaukee. No, the city uh, that got me uh, in the theater. Into so. the, also, I used to, I was the voice of uh, Walgreens for 10 years and the recording was in um, in Spanish. So I was like, I would go record every month and that's what I was paying my rent in Milwaukee. Like, because back in the day, so now you can do it from anywhere. But like, I used to drive to Milwaukee. But yeah, it was um, for 10 years. I was like, Esta semana en Walgreens, usted puede comprar papel higiénico por dos noventa y nueve. That was my life. I was just going to say, can you talk about prescriptions in a calming way? And, you did. <laughs> yes. and it was like, wow. yeah. But like every time you go in the store, you'd hear me and stuff. But I would do them in Milwaukee. Anyway, I like Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> also, uh, I went to grad school with Chelsea, Laura, who writes oh, on Vita. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I we know so many people. Yeah. Excited to have you here. Thank and your show you. is great. Thank you. Um, we were just talking about the fact that <laughs> basically, <laughs> Ray, why don't you say how excited you were? Um, I just, y'all went straight for it. Yeah. Um, First time. Uh, oh, right. I know what you're um, talking about. Um, Lynn gets head <laughs> at this, like, uh, you know, uh, grieving uh, situation in the staircase from Johnny. I loved it. Yeah. I loved every part of it. Y'all went straight for it. Yeah. It, it, these girls can't deal. Like they don't know how to deal right. with the death of their mother and they're just acting out or doing the best they can to like stop feeling or feel, right. you know, I either, you know, both of them. So yeah, first season, that's the, 
That's what happens. <laughs> just coming from a playwright background, I mean, I, whenever I think of play, I just think w if I'm watching a play, the play doesn't exist unless there's something daring about it. So would you go into TV like with the attitude of like, why not be incredibly provocative? Why not be, you know, uh, rad and sexual, et cetera? No, it I will say something. And this is not shade towards theater, but it's my experience in theater. When I had my own theater company in mm -hmm. Chicago, I had Teatro, Teatro Luna. Luna. Mm -hmm. Yes, I saw Machos. Oh, you yeah. You saw Macho. We interviewed a hundred men from around the country, and then we played them in drag. Oh wow! It was That's I thought I, it was one of the things I was proud of. So, oh man! <laughs> like now I have to tell people Macho, but you like saw Macho. But like I, there, I had no boundary. We had no boundaries as artists. Now money was our, you know, we couldn't afford stuff, but we we could use our imagination more. And then I went off and started doing a lot of um, regional theater, you know, uh, and what's called the American theater. And then you arrive as a guest that you license your play and then you let it go. And that, um, I wasn't able to do nudity or whatever, whatever that kind of stuff, you know, it was like uh, in a way, a little bit more tame. Um, and then in TV, I was on a show called looking. Mm -hmm. I wrote oh, for yes. it. We have all and, seen yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, it sort of gave me permission to be like, TV can be whatever they let you, you know, have up there. And stars, I mean, they did Spartacus. It was like. I was going to say, yeah. it's the first meeting with stars. Like somebody needs to bleed to death right in front of our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that first meeting with, with oh my God, um, my the executive I met with just left this week. And she her name is Marta Fernandez. And that, her name explains why we're here. Mm -hmm. Because when you have someone in there, mm -hmm. in the castle, fighting mm -hmm. for you, it just, it makes all the difference, you know? But she uh, commissioned me to do mm -hmm. this. Like, she was like, we want to show about gentrification, uh, Latina um, um, millennials in the east side of LA. Can you do it? And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know if I could, but, you know, you say yes uh, to <laughs> something like this, you know? Because it seemed like the possibilities were endless. Like, this is a great writing exercise. You give me four or five prompts and then off I go. Right. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like a property or like a, you know, and um, so that, that, that was cool. And then when I kept, you know, I put the queerness in there, a little bit of brujeria, witchcraft, you know, like little <laughs> things and never a no. And then I was like, well, they are the, they are the network that does all the, I mean, they have a lot of sex in that network, a lot of, you know, power. killing, yeah. power, power yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like, they never were, you know, so that has never come up. In fact, mm -hmm. I mean, it's fine. And then I don't know if you've seen any of this season, but there's um a lot more uh, okay. where like the so the 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 you know that um staircase. I'm like just wait, just <laughs> oh, wait till play. Just oh. wait till the season oh. how the season oh. starts. In fact, the the scene that starts it. I've heard uh, about the scene that opens up season two. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to spoil it for okay. people. And we can't. Uh, we shouldn't spoil uh, it, right? Listen, we can't. Tell me, it starts me, with an orgy. It's it's no, it's the world's saddest orgy. Mm. That's what it said on the script, and that's why I <laughs> made sure that when we were shooting it, that we had the world's saddest. <laughs> So it's like Wait, sad uh, clown makeup. It, it, no, it's like uh, like privileged white young beautiful people that but the Molly and the drink and the coke has already like is leaving their system so they're just nauseous oh. and they're still trying to, to fuck <laughs> and still trying. They're acting the part of an yeah, orgy. And yes. it's in there like half of uh, everyone's falling asleep. There's a flaccid penis. Like it's all like ugh and then you know and Lynn's like what am I doing right. here? And that's what you watch. You know, mm -hmm. a girl throws up and then she keeps going. Like it's 
gross. Do you know what I'm picturing? Um, is like the a really disturbing Where's Waldo drawing? Just a ton of people where like Waldo's <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the mix, but they're all There's sad. There's like throwing the, up. There's find the yeah. penis. Yes. With a yeah. red it, and a little bit like that. It, yeah. it starts on Lynn's beautiful face, and you're like, oh my gosh, she looks like an angel. We pull back, pull back. Boob. Someone eating her out. <laughs> da da da. And it's like, oh oh, sh- what am I watching? Right. I love it. Um, but it we need that for Lynn because Lynn is all about the building this season. When you met, you know, you met her last season, she's like a responsible party girl that's never like, you know, she's used people and, you know, but she really changes her mind this season. And then it like, nobody believes her for the 10 episodes because why should you? She's been, you know, hot mess. I mean, she was one of my favorite characters of the first season too, because I mean, I always love that character who's making awful decisions oh, and, you know, yes. the idea of having an affair with, you know, Johnny and, you know, he's about to be married. Um, and, you know, him. I yeah. really love the seeds of seeing her realizing sort of how she was ruining not only Carla's life, but his life. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that her character arc is so great in the show, but all of the women, really. Um, I love how you sort of use their sexuality to sort of propel their stories forward. Uh, and it just feels really great sort of being able to peek into, I guess, a community that I'm not a mm-hmm. part of and still feeling like I connect with everything. Yeah, and, you know. I hope I hope that that's the effect because, you know, just like my place, I, may, I always make them two tracks, like for the dominant culture or for a, a wider audience mm-hmm. because, well, yeah, it should be consumed by a wider audience. So like if you think of like this is a show about loss or and coming home and family and in that way, you know, queerness, brownness, just immigrant, you know, um, and then there's also for us that we haven't. And when I say us, I say Latinx, you know, we haven't had a lot of shows or narratives on TV and mm-hmm. li- there's little gifts and like Easter eggs for um for us like the term pocho. We've never heard the term pocho and but, but that's something we wear all the time. This like hybrid identity being mm-hmm. not from here, not from there, Spanglish. Like mm-hmm. when you know we get policed for our language and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to touch on that. You know, um this season we have oh my God, I'm so excited about this um you know how sometimes as queers we police each other. Mm-hmm. Um or as Latinx we're like you're not Latinx enough. You know, Spanish is not perfect. You're not brown enough. You're not light enough. Um, well, we have this scene because um, we have this like gay vaquero wedding, gay Mexican cowboy wedding and the third episode. And we have this conversation I've been wanting to have forever about tourism. I mean, like, like queer tourists. Mm-hmm. I get called that uh, at bars all the time. They're always talking about like, wait, but you have a male partner. Hold on now. But wait, hold. I'm my, my queerness is always being policed. Mm-hmm. And um, because it doesn't look like it's not part of the binary. You're you not know? doing it right in front yeah, of us you're right not now. Do, yeah. you're, and you're not, you know, whatever, whatever markers of queerness, you're not emitting them, you know, and I was, and so it's so exciting to finally season to be able to be like, have that conversation yeah. and, and embody it, you know, and dramatize it. Um, and, and that's what the first season was like a three hour pilot. It feels like mm-hmm. now we can get into like excavating and stuff, you know? No, uh, I really like those conversations that you have in the show, particularly one of your plays, Fade. Oh, um, shit. You, yeah, which, you notice that? <laughs> Some of my play has made it up to be that. No, uh, no, so your, your play, Fade, is about a Mexican television writer, and she wrote 
a book and that's how she gets into a um, writer's room. But she's told immediately that she's the diversity hire. Mm -hmm. And you've talked about how you experienced that on Devious Maids. Mm -hmm. And I just really like the dynamic between her and the janitor. You know, the because I saw that even in Vita, you know, that scene where Lynn is at that white house of the party and then she sees the maid having to clean up after these white people vomiting and stuff. Um, And I just want to hear a bit from you about going from, you know, in this industry that all all of us are in, um, just hearing, you know, like, you're the diversity hire, oh, yeah. you know, because uh, that's something that a lot of us yes. go through. You feel it. Yeah, you feel <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, being the token. Yeah, class is super, has always been important in my place, and then now in the show, it's, you know, super important, and that's not, like, the ending of that episode with the bus and her going back, There's it's not like a a story ending, but it, it like should leave you feeling something that she doesn't even understand what she's feeling, but she knows that she doesn't belong there, mm-hmm. that she belongs in this bus with this woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, so the first hour, hour of my TV writer life, um, we're getting our offices and we're um, walking away. It's like another coworker. He turns to me as we're walking. Just like, I got, it's so vivid because I've replayed it so many times. Um, he turns to me and he um, tells me, you do know you're the diversity hire, right? And then I I look, I never heard this term. This term is not in the theater. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe it's like, it's not, you know? What what in him felt that immediately he had to diminish you? To otherize me, marginalize me. your first day there. Yeah. Before he (laughs) He needed to inform me. Let's poison this now. Yeah, he like (laughs) wanted you to feel small immediately. I I. I don't know. Now we've talked. We actually, not okay. too long ago, sat down and had breakfast. And he was like, I am so sorry that I did that. It didn't It didn't feel as monumental as it became mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. you know. And she, and he understood why. And, like, it, you know. It's good now. So, so yeah. No, but it. But I've, I've been talking about it for so long, you know. And he's been getting it from listening and reading. <laughs> and like, that was me, <laughs> you know. Um, and... You know, it, but it was like a um, a reaction when I asked what the diversity hire was. He goes, oh, honey. Like oh. that. That's Ooh. the part. It wasn't the diversity. It was the oh, honey. And I got and at lunch. I called my agent. I was like, so um, I'm the diversity hire. What is that? Because I really thought, wait, am I like an intern? No, seriously, like someone who doesn't know about TV. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing to, you know. It's a very confusing term. And then, so what are my duties? Um, am I getting paid the same? Am I, he was like, yeah, yeah you don't cost the show anything. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing my agent could have told me. Because that means yeah. I have no value to the show. Yeah. I you got know? that email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it hurt. It hurts. It hurts a lot. It's, yeah. And also, it sounded like, based on the fact that he said, oh, honey, like, he kind of thought he was being, like, conspiratorial with you. Like, oh, co- like, one, it was, like, patronizing. Like, you don't know what this is. But two, also, like, we're in this together and you know you're this thing. And it's like, no, but you just completely alienated me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, how sad of you to yeah. think that you should be happy to be here. Yeah. That you. Which I was like, already, like, scared out of my wits, yeah, of you know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. He I was young and it happened. Right. Now he, like. Especially because he helms a show, mm-hmm. he's like, I, and he's super careful, and and like he's, st- I, we talked about it, and he, I, I really do believe him, and I, you know, and he did apologize, and I was like, okay, well that's good, we had to go through that, but I think he was like a product of the times right. too, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very specific room. I was the only Latina when I went in there, the only uh, Latina yes, on Devious Maze, yes. yeah, and then Gloria Calderon Kellett came, uh, my heart, my. My sister, you know, love her, loved one love day at a time, love her, mm-hmm. and and she became like a mentor. And then she was like, 
come here, you know, mm -hmm. let me tell you how it works, you know? Um, so, so that was good. So now it's worked out, but for a long time, this diversity, I mean, for that first year was, mm -hmm. and, and because I didn't know, I, I had gotten thrown in because I did not plan to, like, this is not planned, none of this uh, TV stuff. I was going to be a theater person. I was going to, mm -hmm you know, have trouble paying my rent, but um in Chicago but not notice. And you, know, that, like, you I was always broke in Chicago, but I didn't know like I'm like yeah. I have such a happy life here, you know. Yeah. I drive to Milwaukee, I do my voiceover, I do my plays, I review them, they're great, you know. Oh shit, I can't pay my rent. But here it's it's like, you know, the compromise is like you can pay your rent, but then all these other things, things. along those lines, um it's very interesting to me. So I just came out of a writer's room that was all black women. Fantastic. And, uh, I saw that, like, your crew, your writers, your cat, like, everybody's Latinx. Yeah. And so, like, I learned a lot about my ability to tell stories about myself. I'd never really thought of myself as somebody who was entitled to whole narratives around myself without being in reaction to white people or racism mm -hmm. in relation and, to whiteness right, right. exactly and so knowing that you have this show where like everybody sort of has this common identity that isn't in response mm -hmm. to whiteness necessarily what did it like help you I guess feel about yourself as a storyteller and like did you see that sort of confidence or belief in one's ability to tell their own stories in your writing staff and the people you worked with yeah, the first season we had to do a lot of like, you're okay, you're safe here, okay. <laughs> you know? And then we had a couple of new writers the second season and we had to go and we're like, oh, what? We have to do, like, you're safe, you know? And they've been through some hard rooms, mm -hmm. uh, some of the those writers. And they, like, um, they uh, they would defend, especially issue-based things, like stuff about immigration, stuff about race. And we're like, you don't have to do that here. Just pitch your pitch and we will listen. And we're most women. There's one cis male. You are like it, what your pitch will stand on its own merit. You right. know, you don't have to as you. Might, I don't know if you've been in other rooms to where you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then you have to be the ambassador of all peoples, oh, yeah. right? And you're like you have to answer for answer for Asian culture, and you have to answer for mm -hmm. um, disabled culture, and you're like you're like wait, really? I am. All because I am the other here. I am all others. You know, know. it's hard. You know, it's like I, I worked on a teen show that, for all rights and purposes, I mean, it's coming out soon on Netflix. That's very progressive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it was me and another black woman, and I was the only queer person um, on the and staff. Then, yeah. And she, and then she and I were the two black people, and so it was like we felt different things. Um, and you know, it's harder being like. You know, maybe you should think about how you have this black female character um, being the one who dies yeah. in this scene or <laughs> right. something, you know? Yeah. It, 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 And then you feel like, oh, uh, so in that first room that I was in, um, they, um, which now I'm like, that's hazing or that's harassment. They put, um, management said, you just put a, a sticker on her and say Latino police. This is before we're using the term. <laughs> and I have the, oh. the picture pop. Oh up the other day you know how you did like uh three years ago four oh, years yeah, ago yeah, yeah, yeah on facebook thank god i chronicle everything <laughs> it was me going to the camera going i'm the latino police which it just it, was again, that like a hostage note or hostage yeah it's video? like <laughs> no, it, it just felt like because i was trying to don't do that or we can't mm. which you're not supposed to do you're supposed to say yes and everything yeah. but, but what are you supposed to do not say that you know it's just like it's I, so like you it's that weird obligatory I mean whatever I've been in writers rooms where I'm like the only gay person yeah. and it's it is this strange thing of like I, it is my job in a way to impede you know you want me to do this I mean yeah. so that at least you say because 
And also, I ha- I would not live with myself if I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. speak. But mm-hmm. then too many sp- times you speak up and then you become that like, ding 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 mm-hmm. you know? But mm-hmm. then so I got a sticker that said Latino police. <sighs> but whatever, you know, I, hopefully nobody on my show feels like that, right. you know, about because mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be. No, not everybody. We are diverse within our homogeny mm-hmm. because we have um, Caribbeans and we have South Americans and we have, you know, Central Americans it, writing a Mexican-American story. Mm-hmm. In that way, we're diverse. <laughs> but... I was going to say that the show Latina Police would sell right in the room. So I think that should be your next next pitch. (laughs) No, I really, really appreciate Vita just being able to watch it. It's so nice to see sort of a Latinx show on television and also just from like set in the U.S. You know, Mm, I feel like uh, what was it like? Resurrection Boulevard was one of those last ones that I yeah, feel like I used to watch. Kane oh in 207. Yeah. Oh, one, uh, one Kane with Jimmy Smith. Season. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then Resurrection Boulevard was like like a fam. Like they really. I haven't mm-hmm. even thought about that in Resurrection. Me I too. Know, right? That's where a lot of like. People, wasn't Tony Plana in that? Maybe, mm-hmm. um, like, oh, yeah. and then I guess just like a Jane the Virgin, Jane and the Virgin, stuff. yeah, um, but Queen normal, of the South, yeah, yeah. but normally Queen I just end up watching, you know, like House of Flowers or like Elite oh, on Netflix, mm-hmm. you really know, to get my work with, with it. Um, Cecilia Suarez, the woman who does, you know, mm-hmm. the nice voice pattern in yes. House of I love it. I know, but <laughs> it, here, so like, I, this is where I get uh, political, but we're 18% of this country mm-hmm. and we have like five yes. Latinx mm-hmm. team shows. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It, that's crazy. It's like we um, we take up space in in the U.S., but they but we're invisible. Literally, and in the yeah. media and in Hollywood, we're yeah. invisible. Even though, and I don't have all the statistics, but especially film, we like especially Latina young Latinas watch mo, like they go. They are the like biggest uh, ticket buyers of oh. like a film. They and the second demographic that like, watches like Power is Latinx, right? right. But we, like, when was the last Latina film that was made? I can't think of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy how they're like, oh, they'll just watch. Mm-hmm. They, they'll mm-hmm. just still give us our money. And we feel so <laughs> invisible. They were like, okay, we'll just give them our money. Like, instead of demanding. And if you see a J-Lo movie, her name is Mary. I was just, yeah, 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 I was just saying. She played a lot of white women in rom-com. <laughs> you just she said, did. like, what, mo- what movies have been made? Literally, a Netflix queue came up with just second act in it, in yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I was second just, act, like, yeah. I'm just re-watching Desperate Housewives. Like, Gabrielle and Carlos are very fascinating because there's a lot of things that go wrong in terms of representation. Right. But like, what a big deal they were in yeah. 2006, you know? Yeah. And that they were an attractive, hot couple who loved each other, had some problems, but loved each other. But then I remember second season being like, mm, they want a white baby. And that's very mm-hmm. weird. And, you know, it's like, it's very exciting to have like, people like you out here telling like more honest stories or not filtered. Well, like. I do think it makes a difference that how we're making this, not mm-hmm. just what we make, but how, right? right. Mm-hmm. The room, if you look at the room, it's a, you know, like you look at the room and it makes sense. All directors this season are Latina. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the first time, like all female, all Latina. All my DPs are female. One's Latina, one's um, a queer um, American white woman. Then all my editors are female. Um, it, and all my heads of department are female. And you're like, oh, well, that's why the sex scenes look like that. Mm-hmm. Or um, that, you know, that wh- whatever it is, like at every um, stage of the and every department is like, oh, so the make. Oh, so those girls don't wear that much makeup. But yet, like wh- whatever, the blue lipstick is very important culturally because mm-hmm. we've we don't haven't just done the research. We 
we know what that look right. is. The room knows what that look like. There's so many people with skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally. The, yeah, yeah, literally putting this together. You don't and need like a dramaturg. These people <laughs> nope. have lived this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like that. So uh, so there's like, why it's so authentic? Yeah, because we're, we're doing it. And they haven't let us do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so proud of it. It's so We just had the premiere last night, you know? And to watch it in that, you know, big... The, a big theater and then with the people who made it it was really it just it's really meaningful because and I said it last night I was like sometimes brown shows or Latinx shows don't get a second season I don't know if we'll get mm-hmm. a third season real talk I don't I don't know what like our people have to show up mm-hmm. and watch and it's hard because it's we're prime cable and we've never had a prime cable Latina Latinx themed show so we we are the model to start like yes you have to pay monthly to watch us yes that it's not like you know, a streamer that you paid to watch 700 shows or or free on, you know, um, well, broadcast. Well, I added stars to my Thank Hulu you. and I am ready yes. to keep watching because I love it. And I would also just lastly be remiss with you here to tell you how much I loved your episode of Looking. You brought oh, it up before. Thank uh, you. Because I love Raul Castillo. Yes. Uh, and I know you two have been friends for years. Since He's we in were the 14. second season oh, yeah. of Vita. He's fabulous. Uh, on that he was show. one of the, when I first started. He was started... my first high school boyfriend. Okay. My last, my last, <laughs> it was for, so high school and we went to college together. We were together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, I just really appreciate, I love that Vita is this queer Latinx show and you're mm-hmm. seeing um, different spectrums of just sort of like queer life on TV because, you know, as much as I love Looking, it was very white, but I loved just that episode that you wrote where you got to hear that. more about Richie's background. And I was like, wouldn't looking be great if it were about Richie? I mean, listen, I loved the I show love, and I love the characters, but I was like, that show is what I sort of really wanted to see. Um, and I'm glad that you were getting the towel. Such amazing stories. I know. Stars. Privileged. Yeah. So know. season two debuts May, May 23rd. 23rd. All episodes okay. drop so you can binge it all oh, cool. on May 23rd. Good. Mm-hmm. All the episodes drop May 23rd. Binge them all. Stars. Do. Watch Vita. It's so fucking good. And you are so great. Thank you so Thank much for being you. here. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Wayfair, every style, every home. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.
It's the most dramatic feud on ABC of all time, at least since last week when Meghan McCain said something to Whoopi or, and or Joy Behar. I was going to say Constance Wu's in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> ABC has a lot of feuds going yeah. on right now. Including it, celebrity family feud. It's like the Desperate Housewives set. <laughs> <laughs> Words and the suffix-ish. Who's slapping Nicolette Sheridan this week? <laughs> But um, uh, Terry Hatcher is uh, Tuesday when Ryan Seacrest announced the newest Bachelorette, Hannah Brown, was set to appear on Live with Kelly and Ryan later in the week. Kelly was not pleased as she commented the show disgusts her. <laughs> <laughs> and then following her comments, Bachelor host Chris Harrison decided to send the fandom after her by tweeting, <laughs> look out, hashtag Bachelor Nation. Kelly Ripa is coming after your quote unquote disgusting Monday night habit. What a smidge. <laughs> what a dweeb. What a dweeb thing to tweet. Uh, hey fans. <laughs> Kelly said. You dweeb. <laughs> and then Bachelor creator Mike Fleiss followed up on Harrison's tweet saying, Easy Kelly Ripa, the Bachelor franchise pays your salary. No. And no. that is when things really no. like jumped out the window. Yeah. It was amusing with Kelly being like, I don't <laughs> like the bachelorette. This is gross. Especially where homegirl's supposed to be coming on the yes, show. It's, it's um, nice grown woman shade. And then Chris Harrison jumping in was being a dweeb. But it was also like, these are both longtime ABC mm -hmm. personalities Who's paying, who's who, who make a shit ton of money. Uh, also, so, ABC's not like, oh my God, we only have enough money for The Bachelor or <laughs> Kelly Rimba. Wow, we really need The Bachelor franchise to really make money this year so we can afford Kelly. Like, that's ridiculous. Also, when, when did she replace Kathy on years like, ago. Years 2000. Like, yeah. like, I thought years ago. Around the time or right ago. before the Bachelor started. I remember I was the summer. And she was already on grade. daytime soaps with Yeah, them. she before that she was on All My Children yes. fucking it up in Pine Valley. So <laughs> fuck you, Mike Fleiss. Mark Consuelos at home being like, get him, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly and Mark and Susan Lucci, okay? They were giving the money for The Bachelor. And we know what it's like when Mark's the breadwinner on, <laughs> on Riverdale. It's not pretty, so... <laughs> now, Chris Harris and I, of course, very good friends from my time on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was just canceled, <laughs> R.I.P. But you know what? Wait, it was canceled? Just recently, yeah. But you know what? Like, it's coming up on the 20th anniversary of the original. My guess is there's a primetime situation coming. Meredith Vieira or Regis? Um, I, I would prefer Meredith, actually. I mean, Regis is Regis just incredibly older, old. Yeah, too. but Chris, Chris hosted the most recent version of it. Oh, okay. Wow, and I guess that they they could only have Constance Wu or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> wow, they renewed her show. <laughs> Fuck. You know, her her hating that was for the people at the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire who got fired. But what, what was interesting is it, I was reminded of Chris Harrison's response when the show Unreal came out, which was like, I don't know about vitriolic, but he really like put it out there like this isn't real, et cetera, et cetera. To which I say, 
there's no need to be defensive about a genre of television that we all can agree is to a certain extent a bit trashy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like accept it. It's fine. I which... watch Celebrity. I, I watch Big Brother, which is a show about unemployed house sitters basically traumatizing <laughs> each other. I will not abide this slander. Uh, Big Brother is an important uh, television show. I'm there. Seminal in my development. All right. <laughs> now I know everybody's watching me all the time. It's changed my behavior. Important for my life. Uh, Ray got me watching Big Brother Canada. Yes. Like, oh. that's how much yes, she, I'm she into and I stand Big Brother. Okay. Which, by the way, is the best franchise. I've heard. Big Brother yeah. Canada is excellent. Too many twists, but they let the players play the game. There isn't, right. like, they always the same, fuck with that. On, there's no, yeah. like, oh, production loves this guy. You don't feel that in Canada, and also, you don't have to be, like, a Barbie or Ken. They have normal-looking people on that show. They have 50-year-olds. They'll have Muslims who are 60. It's great. Yeah, it's no, every, every woman on the um, American Big Brother has, like, those barrel curls that every sitcom actress has. <laughs> yes, the Kowoko hair, yes. 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 <laughs> um, what is extra funny is after Mike Fleiss tweeted that, Ellen Pompeo mm. chimed in. <laughs> it's, that's what Ellen Pompeo is what happens when a white woman gets it right one time <laughs> and now it's we getting it everything right <laughs> I'm commenting on everything I married a black man so I know <laughs> she tweeted okay at Fleissmeister which is Mike Fleiss's Twitter handle. Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> she tweeted, "Okay, at Fleissmeister, that's some handle, bro." <laughs> Point. <laughs> Your show does not pay Kelly Ripa's salary. Also, know? we don't attack successful women on our network, and men certainly cannot take credit well, isn't for that their what success. Kelly did though, when she attacked the Bachelorette, but she wasn't taking credit for them. Mm-hmm. But she was attacking. To be fair, she just said the show disgusts her. And the woman, we haven't seen the season yet, so we don't know how successful she is. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and she said, don't get me started on your show because I'm a savage. Hashtag oh, Bachelor you So White. To one <laughs> she tweeted, hashtag Bachelor So White. Just like her tweet. Uh, sorry. I just, it just, it's annoying. I, I find, So I'm annoyed by the whole thing because I find it very bizarre that 20 years into a franchise, Kelly suddenly disgusted. Like, the first time ever, this ain't the first time they've had a Bachelor or Bachelorette on their show. It just seems like a bizarre place to, to like, you know, start your feminist movement. And, like, I, for me, I just... I'm one of these women or these people who hates respectability politics uh, of any kind. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that, like, you know, we have to show women in these, like, you know, very positive, like, this sounds so contradictory to everything I believe about Game of Thrones finale, but women (laughs) don't have to be perfect or represented perfectly or well to be on television. And I think it's unfair to attack, like, those women that show rather than, like, the studio or the network you're sitting on for for the representation of women if you take exception to it. I don't think that's incongruous with what you said because Brienne of Tarth, you know, if she were on Real Housewives, she might cry over JB, but, but you know, not. but she would also have a drink and fall down the stairs yes. with Luann. Right. <laughs> Tinsley Mortimer has more of an interior life <laughs> than the women are Game of Thrones. That's true. I uh, do want to say, though, that The Bachelorette to me is just an easier viewing experience. I can't explain it because, like, 
there's something about men vying for a woman. I don't know. The I love the Queen best. I like the best like way more interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah. I can't explain it. It's. I mean, it's just hot white guys who all look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that so big sadness well about them, which I also find funny. A Ryan Murphy. Show. Yeah, I mean, look, the, I I'm not here for like a dissertation on feminist theory when I'm watching The Bachelor. Or the, well, I don't watch it, so there's that. But like, <laughs> but like, there is not enough drama on these shows for me. Like, no. the closest I get to uh, white people frolicking and falling in love is Love Island. Yes. I, need, I need an accent. Oh, sa- X on the Beach, the British <laughs> Oh, yes, oh my yes. God. So X good. on the Beach is amazing. So good. Is that girl. But also those people come from reality shows we've already seen, so there's a relationship I'm invested. The Bachelorette is like ditzy LA models. Like trying Actually, to... maybe that's part of why I don't love The Bachelorette and maybe why I sort of get Kelly's disgust me thing and maybe why I get why I was annoyed by Chris Harrison being so self-serious about Unreal. The Bachelor still tries to play like they are a really fairy tale yes. franchise, really helping people fall in love because like the white women who watch and devour the franchise, they want them still believing in love. Right. Where it's like, it's very- you don't believe in this love and shit when you're watching these other shows. No. Like, I didn't watch Flavor of Love thinking that Flavor of Love was well, actually York going to... I mean, New York really loved him, She though. did, but you were in love with the delusion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're at a point where reality TV, like, excluding, like, the legendary sort of groundbreaking ones, like, real world or whatever, but, like, we're at a point where the sin like reality television viewer is the primary reality TV viewer. We know that there's production that happens behind the scenes. We're giving people credit on good confessional. We're giving people credit on turning out the season finale party. So the idea that they're trying to keep it this like bubble where we're still believing that this is like a fairy tale show with Trista and Ryan is the mistake on their part. At least it keeps me from watching it. But I don't feel like that justifies why Kelly Ripper is like ripping on it and why Ellen Pompeo jumped on a bad wagon. I don't mean to tell down on them. I just think it's a bizarre place to focus your rage at, like, sexism when the show's been around for 20 years. You just figured out it bothered you? Well, by the way, um, Wendy Williams also chimed in. She said, um... I'm not a fan of The Bachelor or Bachelorette either. It's so stupid, women parading themselves around. It depends on who you are, what you want to do with your life. For me, it's degrading. Well, if memory serves me, Kelly Reva has been at ABC longer than The Bachelor's been on. She jumped into an already successful show. She continued to keep it an already successful show. So if anybody's paying anybody's salary, just saying. Is Wendy yeah. mad that The Bachelor and Bachelorette, they do the embarrassing of themselves so she's not useful? Because she <laughs> loves to embarrass Point people out. who likes to... Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she loves a degradation. You know she how, loves it. You know how in a telegram, it, it, like there'll be a line and then it says stop. When I hear Wendy Williams, I hear the same thing and then sip. You know? <laughs> like, a, yeah. <laughs> like 50 times. I think she is mostly just pressed about that. What? That she's not useful? And also, you know, she's in a tender place where her man and her divorce and her situation. So maybe depictions of love and women chasing around for it is really offensive to her at the moment. And I get it. I'm not saying that The Bachelorette is a good or useful form of television. I just think that it it just feels bizarre that this is the place where you're going to direct your ire when there are all these poor representations of women, if that's your anxiety. Women chasing men is all over every part of television. Degrade in all kinds of ways and it just seems very bizarre to pick this fight to me I don't know also it's crazy that Kelly has so much more to say about The Bachelor than she did about her co-hosts 
sexual assault allegations. Mm-hmm. I remember her crying and being like, that's not the Ryan I know. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's not the Ryan I know is the best way you can defend a friend because you're not saying that they didn't do it. It just isn't someone you know, but it's still a defense. The profile I've drawn up, this is not in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know that. He might could be somebody else where you're not, where you're around. It's a, it's a clean, clean-ish way well, of defending Well, not the Ted friend. Bundy I know who just... <laughs> Bought some cigarettes from me at the gas station once. <laughs> well, yeah, friendly. It just seems, yeah, given that sort of thing, it feels hypocritical. I mean, like, look, sexual assault allegations are touchy. Like, there was some investigation that cleared him. I don't know who did the investigate in. I just know that there was one. He was very proud to say that he had been cleared. But... Even just going to the most basic version of Ryan Seacrest, he has produced all of those E! uh, reality shows. I don't think that those shows make women look particularly great. The ones, their wives, what are they, the Second Wives Club or whatever, like, all of those E! reality shows don't reflect women well. They do often show women scantily clad chasing men. I don't see her having a problem with the guy who brought us to Kardashians, so... By the way, though, I would actually like a show where women are literally chasing men, just like fully with nets. <laughs> just Amazon ladies. <laughs> you, you want the end of that uh, Chris O'Donnell, O'Donnell movie? movie? I was just thinking the same thing. That was what? a good marketing Chris campaign. Remember I still that? remember it. No. Yeah. The Chris O'Donnell it's movie? called The Bachelor? It's called The Bachelor. Yeah. It ended with all these <laughs> women funny. in uh, wedding dresses chasing him down the street. Oh, that's annoying. Oh, yeah. eye roll. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? He was like, he was like, uh, he was a... Uh, Robin, everyone hated, yeah. and then what happened? He was also in every. He was in like but fried green tomatoes. Was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But also, like he was so hot. He was Robin. right. He was like I. Whatever. He was so he was hot. And you know what? Robert Pattinson's gonna be hot as fuck as Batman. I'm, I don't understand. He feels exactly Batman to me. Like this, like. Surly, like sad British person. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Batman is British, but I think billionaires all have a British accent, sure. right? So like, <laughs> he looks like an orphan who's sad about it. You're right. Like, no, he's got angry eyes the way Batman should, but then disarms you in some way. Yeah, he's charming. Also, I he like a lot of those people, Daniel Radcliffe, whatever. They're fine at what they do, and I'm always so surprised that they are legitimately funny. British celebrities just honestly get it a little bit they're, more. They're a lot more well-rounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would honestly just love an indie, the Batman, uh, where Michelle Pfeiffer returns as Catwoman. Yeah, I mean, you're speaking And is trying please. to seduce him oh, again. I would love to see Mackay uh, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> the Pfeiffer that comes to mind for me is the black one. I would love to see <laughs> Mackay Pfeiffer again, too. Where has he been? Um, since, since House. Oh, my God. Or was no, that no, no, Omar Omar Epps, and I used to make that mistake a lot, too. I always used to forget which one was in O. Yes, that is Mackay Pfeiffer. That's Mackay Pfeiffer. Yes. Julia Stiles' and... second credit that's come up today after Dexter. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, true. The last good season was the one before Julia Stiles did it. Right. Um, but um, Michelle Pfeiffer and, and Edward Cullen hooking up is a thing I could get into. Yes, it's a thing that I could very much get into. And my last word on Kelly Ripa, by the way, is remember when she was so pressed that Michael Strahan had the gall to leave her show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but now she's shitting on network mates. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, that speech was interesting because she like walked out in front, right, to give it. And mm-hmm. it was like kind of a monologue. Sort of, it reminded me of, it was very infomercial. She was very hyping us all up. It was very, in my opinion, entitled white lady. Like, I know she was disappointed. She had, you know, campaigned for him or whatever. But 
like you don't get somebody a job and get mad at them for not texting you first when they get a new opportunity. It was it very, uh, very Johnny weird. Carson and Joan Rivers. Exactly. Yeah. It was very mm-hmm. like that. And given the dynamics, I mean, woman, man, yes, but white woman, black man, it just felt like power dynamics were not fair. And, you know, yelling at a black man for deciding to go and do his own thing ain't a good look to me. There were a lot of people on her side about it that Michael was rude and ungrateful, but I don't like calling black men rude and ungrateful when we're talking about white people. Right, unless it's Kanye. Oh, yeah, call him whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks slavery was a choice, so <laughs> choose to call him a coon. I don't know. And when we're back, our new segment called Keep It Up. Ooh. And we are back with maybe our new favorite segment of the show. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it goes. You know, I was spending the weekend um, camping. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is in Lake real. Hughes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very shocked. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I was like, I was in a building. So, <laughs> so you were glamping. It's Well, it's so it's technically an adult summer camp um, oh. that a friend throws. And the place that was at this time was a place where um, kids from like Watts and things go oh, during the actual summer. So it's like, it has facilities. Okay. So we stayed in a room with a foam mattress. A foam? I had a foam mattress. Like a memory foam. Memory foam. A very nice mattress. So this is just camping. So you was just at your friend's house. But but (laughs) is this a hotel with an obstacle course? But there were also lakes and like relay games and like you know. It sounded like your homie Airbnb someplace. Okay. Well, anyway, (laughs) called uh, it camping. We also had you know a fun Reiki session and you know I was in touch with you know my chakra and (laughs) I just you know I'm feeling very positive, love and light today. Uh, so I've decided, why don't we just debut a new segment called Keep It Up? Which is instead of telling people to keep it, we tell things we like to keep it up. As you know, yeah. I find optimism suspicious. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I figured, you know, like once a month or some shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm, you know, when I'm feeling, you know, that vibe. I mean, you know, the moon is in Scorpio right now. Um, <laughs> I don't so, know what that means. Um, why don't we just get into some positive vibes? Okay. If you fucking say so. Lewis. Okay. Why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, my keep it up is to Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, how familiar are you with the the works of Carly Rae Jepsen, Ray Sonny? Right, I know that are, one song. Okay, see, you must be. you are be, a straight woman. You, yes, you, you seem I straight. Am a, I'm, I'm straight. <laughs> you identify as straight. Unfortunately. She gotcha. makes the music for us. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's probably my least favorite album of hers. It's called Dedicated. But do you know what uh, defines Carly Rae Jepsen uh, other than being sort of ebullient and super bubbly. I call her Smiley Minogue. Um, She is not in the Xanax world of pop. Nothing about her songs sounds like we're going to sleep. It's not like that Billie Eilish person where I'm going to discover her in like a Jim Jones situation, just dead of whatever, you know. First of all, I stand my girl Billie Eilish. I thought you were talking about Jim Jones, the rapper. Oh, no. Original recipe, Jim Jones. We're talking about Guyana right now. (laughs) There's one song on this album in particular I love called Want You In My Room. That is the best song on the album. Do you know what it sounds like, Ira? Our boy, Charles Puth. 
It, it does sound like Charlie Puth, and I but it also some... sounds a little Chromio. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. But in other words, it makes you want to fucking move. It makes you realize we are living in a universe with a summer in it. And as you know, I am hostile about the goodness of summer. So it gets me excited for the season. I want more music like this. I want more stuff that's just ebullient dance pop. You know, like how Katy Perry even has faded in this arena. I want more songs like Walking on Air. Just give us a full actual disco moment. So... Give me disco, give me movement, give me kinetic energy, whatever. Do cocaine. I don't know. Whatever it is that wakes you up, please help us out. Well, you know, um, speaking of disco, uh, I think that my favorite album that came out this week is from Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. A popular disco artist. (laughs) A disco rapper. I know, right? Uh, No, she is a rapper. I know, right? Her fashions, you know. Could use some. She's, uh, she, you know what? She just signed a deal. She is a rapper from Houston, and as we know, um, many of our music icons who come from Houston famously do not know how to dress. Um, <laughs> all of Destiny's Child. All of Destiny's Child. Uh, Bleak House of Darion. <laughs> uh, oh no, my god! She is a Houston rapper who just dropped her latest mixtape, Fever, mm-hmm. and it is amazing. Uh, I quite like it. I I have not been this excited about a woman rapper since 08 Nicki Minaj. Like, mixtape Nicki, Mm. like, made me really hype. Trapaholics, beat me up, Scotty. Beat me up, Scotty was my (laughs) shit. Do you know, I think that is the first time we met, by the way. In, like, 08? In our friend Natalia's apartment. Yeah, at her birthday. And I rapped along to Itty Bitty Piggy. Piggy. (laughs) (laughs) How endearing was that? Lovely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was when you, like, came in um, in, like, jeans and high heels. That was oh, your high God. heel fr- phase. And I was like. Halle Berry haircut. High I know. Heel and I was and like. I like a man. <laughs> I was like, this light skin model is not trying to be friends with me. <laughs> and, and here we are. Ten years later, I would say, uh, rocking out to Megan Thee Stallion. Listen, her flow is great. I just love her voice. And the album it's good. Like the she writes her own shit. Yeah. Clearly, because you it sounds just like so authentic and so much like her. And it's also just funny. She's very She's funny, girl. funny. When rappers bring funny into it, yes. Yeah. That to me is an addictive quality. Yeah. Tyler the creator, Vince Staples. They mm-hmm. make me laugh a lot. Megan, I love Megan so much because uh I at the risk of sounding like an asshole. Um, you know, women like Lil Kim or Foxy Brown unfortunately, had men writing for them when they first came out. And so while they were these, like, very sort of Brooklyn, open, nasty, sexual women, it was all sort of still kind of crafted by men behind the scenes. But Megan is, like, the first time in a long time that I felt that very authentic, raw, aggressive hood sexuality that came, like, from within, that was, like, brought from herself, that wasn't sort of given to her by some man. Her twerk videos are her idea. She's always talking about sex in a way that feels very sort of full of agency and pride and, like, excitement at at fucking and not, you know— to be the object of some male desire. She's brilliant. She's smart. She loves being a student. It's great. Yeah, and... Not that we disrespect the Il Nana, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to put I that love, out there. I love the Il Nana. 
And I love everything Queen B, but I just yeah. really like Megan because she feels so millennial in the way that like Kim was, you know, transgressive for her time. Megan seems transgressive similarly, but very millennial and like well read about her sexuality in a different kind of way. It's so nice to have such different representations of women in rap right now, too, mm-hmm. um, from, you know, this raw sort of Megan vibe to Cardi's more like polished commercial vibe mm-hmm. to, um, you know, Nikki um, kidnapping and murdering people. <laughs> um, I don't know what she does now. Wait, uh, she, she just released a terrorist? video. Nikki did? Yes. it's um, She has a song with Chris Brown called Wobble Up. Her, g and Chris Brown. Okay, well, I mean, um, we love Chris Brown, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, okay. Mm, gonna admit that Chris can pop out a tune. He can. He we can, know he can pop women, but he also can pop out a tune. <laughs> um, but uh, that song, Wobble Up, is not bad. And I was very glad to see Nikki look pretty and happy mm-hmm. and all that because she's had a rough go of it the last she has, year. She has been very pressed lately. Um, but I always stand Nikki. Yes, obviously. I Talk about funny uh, again. The yeah. hilarity funny. brings me back. Yes. Yeah. That's why her Met Gala outfit was so disappointing. Because it was unfunny. It was uh, like Nikki used to be not this self-serious. She used to wear fucking pink wigs that looked like bulbs. When she uh, was describing that Met Gala outfit, it's like it was dawning on her that she didn't quite get the assignment or yes, something that you she... were actually you had to go bigger and bolder than you ever had before. And she actually went inward or mm-hmm. something. You know, It's also funny that this week. Her insane song, Roman Holiday, which was maybe one of the worst televised performances I've ever seen (laughs) at the Grammys. Uh, Oh, years ago. That that exorcism thing. Is that Uh, why the— It became a meme, and now it's trending. Uh on iTunes. So her Joe Calderon, if you I know. So years later, people are like, Nikki, we liked you when you were crazy. Yes, but not like psycho, just crazy. Because now she's, you know, there there seems to be something else there Mm -hmm. right now. But fun Nikki was great. And Megan the Stallion still has like that youthful freshness, like not to call Nikki old, but like Nikki has been basically on top of women's rap in terms of numbers for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so Megan's got that like sprite like excited to get out and rap energy. Right. And, and you I got her it. and City Girls and Rico Nasty and so many people around now mm-hmm. that Malibu everyone. Mitch, yeah. Cash Doll. People can do their own thing. Yes. And it doesn't seem like you have to represent everything yes. on your shoulders. Be yourself in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. So like what are you feeling positive about this week, Ray? Okay. Um, so this is like a mishmash hodgepodge thing. But um, since we're in this week of People Mad at Finales, I want to celebrate a pilot. And I recently watched the uh, pilot of Desperate Housewives, and it was perfect. It was that show perfect is flawless. I was going to say, Ira almost just burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I was like watching it for research. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm a dweeb, and I have a lot of free time. That's We're all TV writers yes. here, right? Yes. We, we, we rewatch TV research. shows. <laughs> um, and so uh, so I rewatched it, um, and it was 
it was excellent from top to bottom. And it was it was so nice to see women of a certain age be represented so diversely without judgment, um, like, you know, honestly, without cruelty, without the misogyny we're often given with women who are, you know, evil in some way. Gabrielle Solis being one of the people that, you know, she was sleeping with an underage person and the show never castigated her in a real way for that. And I'm grateful for that, although that was rape. Um, <laughs> but, and, you know, we don't seem to have that right now. So my keep it up is for the Real Housewives of New York, which is as close to Desperate Housewives as I see on television in the present day. You have women of a certain age with nothing to lose, bugging out and sort of living like in this community where there's all the scrutiny, but they still stick together and hold on to one another and love each other. And they're complicated and beautiful and crazy and nuts and angry and happy and sad. And Desperate Housewives and Real Housewives of New York are like this beautiful thing that are in my life right now. So keep it up. Roni to me, or I guess all those shows, I mean, they basically count as their own genre. There's no other shows like that. Right. You know, that really nail that demographic that way, that get you invested in their lives that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Like Dorinda moving apartments. Like, why do I care? But I do care deeply and I'm sorry for her grief. And I wonder about her new boyfriend in the new house. It's like I haven't had someone force me to give a shit about the interiors of women that age in those lifestyles since, you know, Desperate Housewives may be revenge. But I was into revenge for some anger, you know, mm. but just loving these grown women. It was really nice. Yes. Ray <laughs> realized that she loved all of these women. Is that your That's what we Mary Alice? Mary Alice. <laughs> <laughs> she would always end every episode with, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and do you like this monologue with these like heavy-handed metaphors and Gabrielle staring off into a window, Brie crying while it's raining outside? Great. Jesse Metcalf on that show, I think I've said this before on Keep It, was like a definitive, like, oh my God, men can be hot. Like oh, that's for when, you? when I was like 18. Oh, wonderful. And I didn't think we would, there would ever be another that compared until I recently heard of the show Lucifer. Oh my God. What's Tom Lucifer? Tom Ellis. Anyway, it's He's a show. Hot. Yeah. But that that tells me that you never watched Passions, where Jesse, oh, Passions where has Jesse some Metcalf men. was on before. Yes. Very shirtless. Even oh though his girlfriend was frozen in a block of ice oh by her God. zombie doppelganger. I totally forgot about Jesse. I'm yeah. He was uh, Luis's brother. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, he saved them when the um, closet led to hell oh. and the house was sinking. <laughs> anyway. During that era, I was watching Celebrity Mole Hawaii, so I had no time. <laughs> That's not a bad choice. Okay. You know? <laughs> Ray, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I've had fun. That was Keep It Up. I think we did it. I think we did it. Thank you so much to Tanya Saracho for being here and Ray once again. We will see you next week. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger 
eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra-sharp cheddar cheese. <sighs> we know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy.